So actually one of the biggest um, challenges I came across was the word innovation. You know, people think of the word innovation as something, it's all about creativity and it's something, you know, creativity is something that children do, you know, in in primary school, they're creative and they do creative stories and drawings. And so when you talk about innovation process, people don't really get on board. Kia I'm Troy, here as CEO, and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today we're talking with Michaela Kier. She's a casting production engineer at New Zealand Steel and was recognised this year at Heroes Industry Awards as runner-up of our newly created Leading Metalhead Award. This award acknowledges high potential staff who are yet to be at executive level but have created a mind shift change in their business to prepare them for the future. In Michaela's case, recognising her contributions to championing cultural change relating to innovation and inclusion. Michaela, you've been a leader in mindset change at New Zealand Steel in relation to both innovation and inclusion. Tell us about each of the key initiatives that you've led. Um, So um, I formed a group who um, uh, lobbied for the introduction of innovation training at New Zealand Steel. Um, Because prior to that, it was only something, you know, that a couple of the higher level managers had. Um, So... Uh, the outcome of that was that we got 32 um, innovation champions trained that were across all parts of the business and all kind of levels. And then we also had 42 managers train in the innovation process and how they can support the champions in the areas. Um, so that was really cool to get that across the line. Um, some of the other things I've done is um, I work with the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. And in particular, I championed the Rainbow Laces um, campaign that we did last year for Pride Month. And that had a really, really uh, positive outcome. We had a lot of um, involvement from not just not just the um, people at New Zealand Steel, but also the community. We had schools contacting and asking if they could get some of the laces and the pins that we had. Um, we had a lot of operators contact us and say, you know, this is really cool to show that the company was doing this. You know, I have a, I have a LGBT um, daughter or son or someone in my family and it's really cool to see the company doing that kind of thing. Um, so that was another really positive thing we had. Um, and then in my area itself, um, the casting area, it was never particularly had, um, it was never particularly very inclusive. It, it never actually had any female operators, so it wasn't set up to have that happen. So once I moved in, um, we looked at, you know, we got unisex bathrooms, um, we made some changes to the PPE um, that was available, and even things like the um, the laundry. There was no laundry service for the females. It was only set up for the males and things like that. Um, so, you know, a few different areas <laughs> that I've been trying to do my little part in. These are um, quite massive mindset changes. What process did you use to create the mindset shift? And what are some tips that you would share? 
Um, I think that um, for me, a lot of people that I came across kind of had this opinion that, oh, that's not going to work, or we've tried that before, it's not going to work. Um, so being open to people's opinions on what they thought, and then also asking them to be open to your opinion, um, and, and not being afraid of failure. So sometimes I had to say, you know, it might not work. And that's okay. If we go through this whole process and we get to the end and we find out that what we had initially was the best solution, that's okay. You know, we've we've confirmed that we were doing the right thing. If we get to the end of this process and we find out that, hey, maybe we should do something differently, that's great too. So it, it's, it's taking away that fear of failure um, and, and being open to people's um, opinions and being open to ideas and change. That's, that, that was a big one. It's pretty hard to be open to other people's views, especially when it's a values conflict. How do you, uh, how do you, or what tips would you give to um, go through that kind of process where it's quite challenging to your own personal values? Um, I, I'm, I'm personally very open and, and I might have different opinions, but I know that we need to all um, coexist. Um, but it's really good, uh, I find, to ask questions of each other um, and get each other to explain why you hold those opinions and, and maybe you can learn a bit off each other. Um, that's something I really found that, in particular, our operators really enjoy is when you ask them questions, um, ask them to explain why they do things a certain way or why they feel a certain way, and then you can kind of get an insight into their reasoning and, and it might change your opinion it might not you might have a really good discussion around your separate opinions and you might not agree in the end but that's okay it's okay to disagree mm. um what are some of the actual benefits that you see from the mindset shift um i think it's it's really been good to have the operators involved um previously you know a lot of the time the operators just went about their job and that was it. And the high level managers would make the changes, make the decisions, come up with the ideas. And so this mindset change really led a lot more um, ideas coming off the floor, which I'm really an advocate for. You know, these, these people, they're the ones working with the equipment every day. They're the ones doing the processes every day. So they've got really the best insight into how we can improve things. Yeah. And as I said earlier, it's, it's not an easy process. It's, it is a difficult process to create mind shift changes or mindset changes. How, how did you overcome some of these challenges? And what were the difficulties that you saw? So actually one of the biggest um, challenges I came across was the word innovation. You know, people think of the word innovation as something, it's all about creativity and it's something, you know, creativity is something that children do, you know. In, in primary school, they're creative and they do creative stories and drawings. And so when you talk about innovation process, people don't really get on board, especially when it comes to things like safety. You know, safety is very black and white. So it's quite difficult to kind of get that word innovation into things like safety. But once you 
once you kind of get to the point where um, innovation isn't about just about creativity, it's about just, it's a tool and it's a process that you use for um, finding opportunities. Um, and I think once people kind of get around that that word, um, then then they're more open to to following along with the process. Yeah, it's almost as though creativity when you're working in a discipline, for example, engineering, it's almost as though creativity is a negative word um, and the associations there are that you're actually not being professional sometimes if you're yeah. being creative. I also think, I also find that some people think innovation is only going to lead down the track to automation and that's going to lead to people losing jobs. So people get quite um, scared almost about that, that potential um, so they're less likely to get on board. So there have been some really interesting uh, studies about automation that actually show there are potential increases in employment, um, and, but that does mean a change in the training that is required uh, for people. But I, I don't know. To me, it, it sounds quite interesting to be able to be um, taken on a journey where you can be retrained and take on new technologies. Um, I think it would be exciting to work with more industry 4.0 technologies. Mm. It's a very, um, I guess, a very new age concept where they, the, the millennials and the, the people that are coming through the employment right now or entering the employment um, are likely to have a lot, mm, a lot faster job um, portfolio. They're likely to do many different jobs in their career, whereas previously, um, I guess people only really did one thing or two things. Um, so it's something that people need to, well, people are getting their heads around now. The fact that there might be multiple different jobs that they'll have in their career. Mm, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting for the next generations. I, I think employment will be much more um, dynamic. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it would be very interesting to see what happens. What are some of the issues or difficulties um, that may be specific to being a young woman in the steel industry? Um, I think in particular, the very, very in particular, the young um, part of me. <laughs> um, being young when you come into industry, a lot of the people are significantly older than me, um, with the general age in engineering being quite high. Um, it's really hard to come into this industry and make changes because you don't have the experience and it is an industry that values experience and time. So for me, asking questions was my biggest, um, uh, I had to ask questions to get that kind of, to so that the operators saw value in me. Um, you couldn't come in and just uh, make changes you might have the right ideas or you might have the right um, thought process but you need to get that experience from the operators and, and show them that you are listening um, and valuing their experience and then use that to make your changes or maybe not. <laughs> have you seen um, being young or being a woman as an advantage in any way? Are there any opportunities as a result of that diversity? I think I'm a lot more um, 
being young and being a female um, and going through the university experience that there is at the moment, it's a very um, diverse and inclusive space. Um, universities in New Zealand are extremely diverse and inclusive um, from my experience. So when you come into a workplace, you kind of bring that attitude with you. Um, and, and that sometimes you get that um, the pushback, but for me, I just spent four years in an environment where it didn't matter what you looked like, how old you were, how young you were, um, what your sexual preference was, anything like that. So then when you come into an industry, you bring that attitude and, and hopefully you can kind of rub off on everyone else as well. How important do you think it is to focus on forward thinking um, versus business as usual? And especially um, in current times, that's kind of really putting some pressure on that ability to look forward. Um, I think that it all kind of depends where you are in the cycle. So um, in the steel industry, we, we cycle, we have our high times and our low times, um, quite dependent on the steel price. And when you're in those high times, that is the best time to be uh, investing in yourself, coming up with these uh, opportunities, trying to find all the things that will get you through those inevitable low times that are, that come as part of the cycle. So um, it's just really picking your time. And, and we've just recently in the steel industry had quite a, um, a good high time. And so we did a lot of investment at that time, um, did a lot of big capital projects to make sure that with the coming low time, we're set, we can, we can make it through. What are some of the inclusion issues that are not so obvious? I think um, things like PPE, people don't really think about. Um, and um, in particular, actually, um, PPE for different cultural or um, beliefs. Um, so things like um, um, PPE that's vegan friendly. For example, um, I actually have a, um, in my office, um, my, the person that sits next to me is vegan and he just thought that he just had to wear the leather boots because there was no other options available. So things, people don't really think about that. Um, and, and sizing, you know, we have some larger people in our workforce and some smaller people. We have some shorter people in our work workforce. Um, and so making sure that the tasks are available to every size, um, height, size, everything. Um, but also something that um, we don't really think about is um, literacy. So some of our, um, some of our operators are illiterate. Um, a lot of them have come straight from school, um, straight to the workplace and, and never really developed that literacy. So making sure that, um, all of our procedures um, make it so that they can take part. All of our, especially with the innovation process, um, we did a innovation session and someone who would not normally participate because of um, their inability to write um, actually really, really enthusiastically participated because he could draw all his ideas. Um, and he could explain them in words and someone else could write them down and it, it, it became a lot more open for him to get involved because it wasn't just writing things down. Um, so, yeah, those, those are some of the things that we, people don't really think about. 
Yes, I think that literacy one is a really interesting one. It's only something that's recently come to my attention um, when we shared an article around the high levels of um, literacy issues amongst employees in New Zealand. It was massive. Um, and it's just something that you, it doesn't, you don't automatically think about that mm. in terms of inclusivity. Mm. What do you think is the difference between inclusivity and diversity? Um, I think there's something really that I really like that is on one of the, um, actually one of the New Zealand Steel um, pages is that um, diversity is about a workforce that reflects the community. Uh, and I really, really like that. So it's about making sure that we have the same people in our community and our workforce. Um, and that, that's made up of all different types of people. Um, but then inclusion is about making sure those people can participate to their full potential. Um, so things like um, we have a prayer space at work for people that need to do their daily prayers. Um, and yeah, just making sure that everyone who is in the community has every opportunity to work um, in the workforce to their full potential. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, the way I see it is diversity gets you a seat at the table and inclusion gives you a voice at that table. Mm. What are the tips you have for people um, around some of the common ways we may inadvertently not be inclusive? I think um, literacy comes into this one. Um, like you said, it, it's not a known um, or very obvious issue and a lot of people that do struggle with literacy or do do very well to hide it um, so just just making sure people understand um, and, and it's things like language barriers as well something might mean one thing in one language and another thing in another language um, for example I just learned that um, in South African, if they say, I'll see you just now, it doesn't mean they'll see you just now. <laughs> and so, yeah, language barriers, literacy, and things like that, that people are really good at hiding um, because they don't want to be singled out or they don't want to lose their job. Yeah. Yeah, I think even um, the language between Australians and New Zealanders, there are some things that are quite confusing um, where the terminology is very different. Um, an example in a professional sense is skillion roofs. So skillion roofs is, has a very different meaning in Australia versus New Zealand. Um, initiating mindset change can be exhausting. How do you maintain your resilience in going through a continuous process of mindset change? Um, I've been very, very lucky um, to have really supportive managers my entire time um, I've had quite a few managers because because um, as part of the graduate program I've moved around and worked in a lot of different areas but in each area I've had a very supportive manager that has allowed me to spend that extra time doing things that might not particularly be part of my job and then also there's some really strongly motivated people um, that I work with who um, you know always check up on you um, and, and make sure that you're coping with the extra stuff that you're doing um, and then I think just personally um, as something that I guess I've got from my family is that resilience to keep 
keep pushing on something that you know to be true or you know um, you can see a positive outcome. You were the 2020 runner-up in the inaugural Leading Metalhead Award. How did you feel about that and have there been any impacts on you as a result of winning the award? I was very excited. <laughs> um, you know, um, working, you would know um, from your time at New Zealand Steel, but it's a very, um, it's a community and it's a bit of a bubble and we kind of, just work away in our bubble in Glenbrook and I didn't really expect anything to be noticed outside of that bubble. Um, so it was very exciting uh, <laughs> to be recognised and out, out, out of that it just kind of gives me a bit of a push to keep going and keep on this track. I was I really, really um, enjoyed the conference. So as part of the award I got to go to the conference that day as well and there were some very inspirational speakers um, and actually a lot of that I've brought back to um, to work and kind of you know oh, have you seen what this person's doing and it is really exciting to see what other industries are doing at the moment. What advice would you give to our industry around incorporating innovation and inclusivity in our day-to-day I think the biggest thing for me is that bottom-up approach so a lot of um, key um, criteria that a lot of companies are striving for are all top-down you know that's coming from the VPs it's coming from the CEOs and that doesn't always work it's great but it doesn't always work and so it's really nice sometimes to try a bottom-up approach and to give to give you know your operators and your production engineers and and those people that are working the floor the skills to then and and the support to then kind of push it up the chain um, and I think that's what's have worked really well for us in particular is that bottom-up approach how do you think uh, our industry could do better to manage uh, attracting new talent into our industry? Probably um, something that um, is quite forefront that I'm quite passionate about too is about um, hiring the right people. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of companies are struggling to retain or to, to hire graduates and retain graduates at the moment. Um, and what I got out of that, actually out of the conference itself, was um, one of the key speakers spoke quite eloquently around how to retain the younger generation. Um, and perhaps it's not all about, because we're not going to do one job forever, it's about allowing that exploration of other things. And, and in particular, um, because New Zealand Steel is so huge, there's so many different opportunities. So allowing people to someone's done production engineering they might want to try to do some marketing or something like that and that's that's kind of where our generation's at at the moment and allowing that is actually beneficial for the company because you're going to retain people um, instead of them going off overseas and and maybe they will go overseas but um, allowing that and encouraging that because they might come back and, and bring more back to the business. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Michaela today. If you'd like to connect more with her, you'll find her details in the show notes. 
This was such a timely conversation as our industry looks to find ways to attract and retain staff. It reminds us that there may be someone with high potential within our team already who just needs the opportunity to shine and take up the mantle of the leading metalhead. As Michelle Obama said, we need all hands on deck, and that means clearing hurdles for women and girls as they navigate careers in science, technology, engineering, and math. Hey team, Greg Buckley, Innovation and Transformation Architect at HERA. Here, if you have enjoyed today and you would like to be able to find, uh, I guess, a community of support to be able to start making some of the changes and building on the foundations that you've seen emerge from COVID-19, we'd really encourage you to get involved with Kotahitanga. Kotahitanga is our people and HR innovation cluster. We have a number of things happening uh, from uh, content online to opportunities to collaborate and engage together. Uh, there's a whole lot happening uh, um, that is an awesome place for you to be able to start that journey. And conversely, we also have Putatara, which is a studio offering which allows you and your organization to start thinking and delivering content that positions your business as a place that people will want to come and work. If you would like information on either of those things, please get in contact with me, Greg Buckley, greg.buckley at hera.org.nz, and we'll get you connected in with all the information that you need.